We have reached August, ladies and gents. Football every month between now and February. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yes, the long off-season drawing towards a close. We've got training camps back up and running. Plenty of news to get into on that front and to break it all down with me. As always, let's welcome the boys in. Steve, how are you doing, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Zach Ertz is still an eagle. The train rolls on. Indeed, mate. Indeed. Another week then. It's getting, it's getting more likely he's going to stay an eagle, my friend. Ah. I, I'm beginning to think he just plays the season in Philly and then he goes on a, on a, as a free agent next year. I think that's what's going to happen. I genuinely thought he'd be traded at one point, but I won't have to see that. So the train rolls on. Another 12 months worth of that jersey as well, Paul. You are quids in there. Quids in, buddy. Exactly. exactly. And Josh, welcome in, buddy. How are you this evening? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, trying to wrap my head around uh, all the, uh, the early training camp news. It's... Uh, Already quite a lot. It feels like the first Sunday of the season already. Yeah, there has been quite a bit that seems to have, have come out already, doesn't there? And, and maybe it's, I don't know, maybe because we didn't have sort of training camps in their normal mould last year and maybe the news was a little bit quieter and dripped through a little bit more. But certainly there seems to have been plenty that's come out. So let's talk about some of the significant stuff. I suppose most significant in terms of a player that was brought in supposedly to be one of the missing pieces of the jigsaw and obviously a player trying to recapture his past glories. I'm, of course, talking about Carson Wentz brought in to replace Philip Rivers and, and hopefully, like you say, get his own career back on track. But news coming out, he's going to end up with surgery on his foot, Steve, a bit of a piece of bone floating around uh, five to 12 weeks. I mean, it's a bit of a wide time scale, to say the least. I mean, normally you get a fairly more accurate picture than that, but five to 12 weeks, obviously, if it's the back end of that, this is significant disruption for the Colts, isn't it, man? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a Philadelphia fan, I can't seem to get away from Carson Wentz. Um, he's yeah, it's it's a very odd scenario. Like uh, they're coming out and saying between five and twelve weeks. That's a seven-week window. That's very strange. Um, apparently, at first, he didn't want to have the surgery, but the Colts have said no. You're having the surgery, so. They've come to the agreement that he's having surgery, um, as several have reported, between 5 and 12. It, what what I find um, really interesting is if you look back on, uh, on the Colts' history when it comes to their quarterbacks and their injuries, um, there's a, a, a tweet I saw earlier say they, they downplayed Peyton's neck injury in 2011 and he ended up missing the season. They downplayed Andrew Luck's shoulder injury in 2017 he ended up missing the season. They downplayed Luck's ankle injury in 2019 he ended up retiring. So the Colts don't have a good track record when it comes to big injuries and downplaying them. And the fact that this started as, oh, Wentz just taking a day off, he's got a bit of a tweak in his foot. And now all of a sudden, the guy's missing five to 12 weeks. And I would hazard a guess that it's going to be the latter end or at least somewhere in the middle, even if it's somewhere in the middle. I think if it's five week- weeks, he misses week one. So we're already talking about uh, regular season games being 
being affected. Um, and he cannot shackle the, the injury prone tag that he's now got. He, he cannot get rid of it. Um, in, in Philadelphia, I often defended him that he's not injury prone. And actually of 64 regular season games before last year, he missed only eight, which is, that's a pretty good record for a starting quarterback. But now this has happened, it becomes more and more difficult to defend the guy. And I really don't know what Indianapolis does. Surely they can't roll the dice again, can they? Well, you say that. There's an obvious veteran that potentially is on the books. And, of course, it would be quite hilarious if it, it does indeed happen. Of course, Josh, I'm talking Nick Foles. The name has been mentioned today. We obviously know that Andy Dalton's been brought into Chicago and they've drafted Justin Fields. So, let's be honest, Nick Foles is very, very, very unlikely to see the field again in Chicago. And it's apparently been said that if the right situation was to arise... Foles would be interested in moving, which is no surprise, really. Like I say, he's not going to see the field in Chicago. Is he going to come in and save the day yet again for Carson Wentz, do you think? What are the odds of Nick Foles having a statue in two cities where Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback? You know, I saw something like that on Good Morning Football earlier on today, and I think I'm still laughing from it because it would be... I mean, football, like all sport, is sometimes an incredibly cruel mistress, but in such a poetic way. So, you, you know, like you say, the, the stars are almost aligned for Foles to come in. I mean, you know, he's got track record in terms of with the offensive coordinator there. It would fit in, you know, the whole point of Wentz coming in is that he knew the playbook inside out. Foles would be able to do the exact same thing. Um, has track record in beating good teams. And if you look at the first seven games for the Colts, you know, let's say that Wentz does go the distance with this injury and it is, you know, week seven, week eight that he's looking like coming back. You know, let me reel off the list for you. Seattle, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Texans, 49ers, and then Titans again. That is not a spell that you want to be leaving to. I couldn't even tell you who's second and third on the uh, Colts QB chart, depth chart at the moment. You know, that's, you, you know, you, 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 you need someone that, that you can trust in that situation. I don't actually see a way that it can't be false. Usually with NFL media, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. You know, there's a reason why Foles' name is out there. And he's probably quite cheap to get. In in his interview earlier after practice today, Falls said, quote-unquote, Frank is one of my favourite, if not my favourite coach of all time, about Frank Reich. That is a guy who is aware of the rumours and would not be unhappy if it was to come true. He's already looking at real estate in Indianapolis, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, he he's already looking at right move whatever the u.s version of that is he's talking to his agents and his realtor it, it, it it's got to be it's got to be almost there at this point it one, wouldn't surprise me one thing i would say on just Wentz, just before we move on is that um the the big thing with Wentz is this does still have an impact on Philadelphia because of the trade for the for the first potentially first or second rounder. So if Wentz plays seventy percent of the snaps this year, the second round pick becomes a first round pick for the Eagles. If he plays seventy 
sorry, 70% and they reach the playoffs, 75% overall, and it becomes a first rounder. So that's significant. If he's missing until week six, the Eagles can count out getting a first round pick for yeah. him. And you can almost guarantee that that went into the Colts' decision-making on this injury because, first and foremost, like you say, downplaying injuries at the quarterback position has been Indianapolis Colts' mere culpa for best part of a decade. So they don't want to do that. But also, they if they are looking at this injury and already thinking, well, with the games that he's going to miss anyway, even if he ended up you know, banged up a little bit in week one, week two, and having to miss a few games, they're going to lose some games in that opening bit and miss out pretty much on, especially at least on the AFC South title. So why not keep your first round pick around and, you know, play it safe? Yeah. Realistically, the Colts are going to lose out of this anyway. They might as well not lose harder. No, I think that's fair. Absolutely. We'll obviously wait and see how it develops. Jacob Eason is the second quarterback on the depth chart currently for yeah. Indianapolis. If they don't swing for a trade, so like you say, you would expect that it's something they would consider. Um, like you say, they are very much on the cusp of, um, well, obviously they reached the playoffs last year, didn't they? But certainly you, you have, would have to fancy them and Tennessee battling again in that division. Um, so, yeah. yeah, they certainly don't want to get behind the eight ball early doors. Um, another player that has reported significant injury at the start of this training camp period, um, but has certainly annoyed his head coach in the way that he's gone about it. I'm talking Michael Thomas, and I'll talk to Dave a little bit later from a fancy perspective because Dave's our resident Saints fan. Michael Thomas seems to have fallen from arguably the best receiver in the game in 2019 to now. I mean, he's becoming a real distraction, isn't he, with his behaviour. Essentially, you know, I joked at the start of this podcast, we've gone through the long off-season and lo and behold, Michael Thomas with an injury that he was fully aware about that could have had surgery on weeks ago, which wouldn't have then, you know, mean him missing any time. He's waited right until the last moment. He certainly annoyed Sean Payne with his antics. Steve, just from... The Saints' perspective, obviously, Drew Brees retiring was going to be a significant impact. They needed their star wide receiver to be ready and available from day one. This just isn't a good look for him, is it? In terms of you know him and his sort of you know future prospects, dare I even say within the league? Because other teams will be taking a look at this and thinking this doesn't really look you know particularly good, does it? Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it doesn't look good at all. Um, and you know, a few days ago when this came out, it's it's uh, it, the first thing that came out was was um, obviously Sean Payton starting saying that you know he's he's he definitely wasn't pleased at all. You know, in that press conference he gave, he uh, he looked furious, like he you know, and 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 that doesn't bode well. You know, we're all looking at the way that. Mike Zimmer's talking about his players in in Minnesota at the moment, and you can tell that he wants to say more than he's probably being allowed to to uh, to say. Um, but yeah, I, I, you're you're right. Michael Thomas was was lights out in 2019, by far probably the best receiver in the league. And now look at him. You know, it, it, how long is he going to make? Are we talking four weeks, six, six weeks? You know, he's been struggling for fitness since, and I'd hate for him to go down the route of that that receiver or, or that player just generally that was you know as as good as he was, and then career just gets destroyed by injuries. Yeah, and here's something. So. You've known about the injury for months, right? It's not a new injury. 
why that late? Why he decides to get surgery that late? It's got to have something to do with last year because let's face it, it was a personality crisis last year, pretty much between Thomas and management and all the rest of it. So you got to feel like that's got something to do with it. Then Thomas almost as a way of goodwill, almost restructured his contract to, you know, put more money on the back end to get the saints out of cap hell. Um, so, you know, there was a kind of a thawing of the ice there, whereas this just seems to, to be the case that he is unsettled anyway. I, I'm, I, I'm kind of at a loss as to, as to why, if this is him sort of getting back at the organisation or just doing things for him or making a point, I kind of don't get it. You know, this um, there has to be something more to it that we're not seeing, something more to it that, you know, probably we'll never know about. Maybe it's just the fact that it's become more serious after a, after a warm-up or something like that and something's happened. We, we, we don't know. But considering that the Saints are stuck with him through 2024, I'm unsure if many franchises would want to touch him in a trade because of his contract looking the way that it is now, because it is restructured to the point where you don't want to touch it with a barge pole. You know, if you're another team, you know, people talked about OBJ being a sort of contract that you didn't want to touch. Well, at least a, he wanted to play and B it wasn't a restructured back end deal, you know? So, and then you look at the saints and what that actually does for them. You know, first of all, that kind of, I, I probably wouldn't start Winston week one now as QB because what wide receivers have you got to throw to? You might as well, uh, you might as well stick to the ground game and pretty much just feed it into Kamara and hope that, uh, and hope that your tight end turn QB will be able to uh, put in a few trick plays in there as well. So um, I think that, I mean, we were talking about Carson Wentz and Indianapolis being in a bit of hell, nothing like the saints now. On offense, because that that this has completely turned their season on ahead, and it's unlike the Colts in terms of who they were playing. So they had all really difficult games at the start. The Saints are uh, giving up four, three to four mulligans almost. You know, you got Carolina, the Giants, Washington, which I know isn't really a mulligan, but they, you know, a, a, a top Saints team should be beating them, and then the Patriots, who you would have probably said that the Saints should be taking them as well. This, I think, just kind of throws that completely out of the water. Yeah, and, and um, what I am, what's interesting as well is you mentioned his contract being heavily backloaded, but if you look around the league in recent years, they've teams have proven that style wide receivers are not untradeable. Like you said, OBJ went from New York to Cleveland. Deshaun, uh, Deshaun, um, DeAndre Hopkins went from mm. you know from Houston to, to Arizona, and I don't think anyone thought that he was going to go anywhere. And then um, Julio Jones, obviously Atlanta's in a bit of a rebuild, but Julio Jones went as well. I didn't think I'd ever see him in a jersey other than Atlanta's. So, you know, it, stranger things have definitely happened. And whilst I don't think a trade is on the horizon, if he has another year like he did last, I, I certainly wouldn't put it past that New Orleans brass. Absolutely not. Do you reckon they'd get proper trade value for him though? I mean, if he's injury prone, I mean, look at look at Philadelphia and Carson Wentz. I know I know a QB is a different story, but he's now out of the building. He's had another injury, and he's not Philly's problem anymore. We don't have to worry about him anymore. So maybe that might be the thinking. You know, get rid of that contract, take a hit one year, get rid of the contract, pick up something for him, go again, start again. 
I do thought Maybe. we'd be saying this in 2019. Eh? I know, I know. <laughs> it's certainly a fall from grace. He's he's definitely out until week seven. He's on the physically unable to perform list. So trade probably unlikely, certainly this season. Um, I think the trade deadline, I believe it's still week nine. It might be week ten now. The season's been extended by that week, but it's you know he's going to be sort of right up against that trade deadline when he comes back. Um, but yeah, certainly a big ten weeks for Michael Thomas when he does return. Can he get back to? The receiver that he once was, a player that has re-signed though, boys. Let's let's stop talking injuries. Let's talk some positive news. You can tell we're about to talk Browns. My excitement's gone up. Nick Chubb has re-signed with the Cleveland Browns. Three years, $36 million. Not only can I say that that is an absolute bargain. Um, what a deal! When, exactly. When you look at it, the Browns are now basically getting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for roughly the same kind of money that the Panthers are paying CMC on his own, which is just a phenomenal bit of work. Um, he's not even paid as one of the top three running backs in the league. Um, and obviously, you know, these contracts almost reset themselves, don't they? Everybody that signs the next contract basically becomes the highest paid um, you know, Nick Chubb has booked that trend as well. Um, it's a big year for Cleveland in terms of contract negotiations. They've got fifth-year options, of course, on Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield, which kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off getting those two signed, but it's certainly on the agenda to try and get it done for both of those individuals. But Chubb taking, dare I say, a little bit of a discount to playing Cleveland. Who would have thought we'd have been talking, you know, in those kind of terms a few years ago? But, Josh, I could see you're beaming from ear to ear. I know we both woke up to the news. Well, I woke up to the news. I think you you text me the news in the early hours of Sunday morning, Saturday evening, UK time. You must have been as thrilled as I was, mate. Well, when you when you get that pinging on your phone at about one a.m., then you do crack open a beer and just enjoy the moment for a little bit. Like you say, it's such a big year for Brown's contract negotiations, especially with Baker and Denzel. But this was a great start. Miles obviously, you know, signed his in the summer, which was a nice start to it. He he got paid like the generational talent he is, and I think that he will be the the outlier for what the deals will be like. I don't think anyone else will get paid quite in the same way as he did, you know, in terms of his value for position. So the rest, I think the front office are trying to do such a good job of, you know, trying to get them behind going after the ring. You know, if everyone can stay together, I mean, Baker, Baker Mayfield's got to love the weapons that he's got around him at the moment. If you can get him behind the fact that Nick's taken a bit of a, a cut for a short-term deal that they look that they might be looking at doing the same to Denzel because it's not like he's had a perfect injury record either. So might be able to get him on a slight bit of a discount as well and keep the young core going for a three to five year window. You know, that's the dream. That's the NFL dream. It's get your young core in, put your fans through hell for 20 years Get Ian Corin after someone competent comes in and puts all the pieces together and then get them to buy into the dream for five years and then go, look, after that point, if you want to get paid, we'll talk and see if we can fit you in. Otherwise, you've given us a ring or gotten us close or whatever on your bike, son. So, no, I absolutely love this. Um, brilliant team-friendly deal, but also it's a great deal for Nick Chubb as well, if you think about it. Because in three years, he can go get the bag. If he wants the bag, he can go get the bag. But 
you know, we're actually also saving his legs as well by having Kareem Hunt run 50% of the offense. And Steve, I can see you nodding your head frantically. Have I just stolen your points away, pal? <laughs> no, absolutely. If anything, you've enforced it. Because what I was going to say is I'm I'm from the school, it might not be a popular one, but I'm from the school of belief that I don't believe in paying running backs. I think running backs are a dime a dozen. And actually, I don't believe in giving them these big giant contracts. However... This Nick Chubb one is, like you say, it's team friendly. Like his average contract of 12 and a bit million pounds a year, which for a running back is not that much. Ezekiel Elliott, that he signed, what, two years ago was average $15 million a year. Yeah. So even that was more like it's not the, you know, the the market leader of, of running back contracts. But like you say, you've already got that second running back so that they're not the bell cow and just carrying every single ball uh, on every single game, you know. Elliot's production's dropped off a cliff and I use Elliot as an example because just because the Cowboys have used him so much and now he's in a decline whereas Chubb is going to be and also he'll be 30 when you uh, when you when he comes to the end of this contract so that's yeah. right at the point where you can then say well I have his legs gone can we can we move on from him or do we sign him again and I, yeah the Browns are definitely in a win now mode like you say the next two or three years are huge and they've got a lot of guys under good contracts and they need to now you know, the results need to show. Yeah, time is now. Tell you what, interesting uh, fun fact. Uh, Sean, I'm just going to steal away the uh, the hosting capabilities for one second while I ask you this bit of trivia. Um, so he gets on average about 5.3 yards a carry in the first three quarters of a game. What do you think his fourth quarter yards per carry is? You know, it's like a flashback. It's like Aaron Lawrence back on the podcast. I used to get a trivia question every week. Um, I'm going to say, well, per carry. Yeah, per carry in the fourth quarter. I'm going to go 8.6. Okay. Steve? It's, it, it must be high. Yeah. Like if, if they. I mean, if I'm asking the trivia question, then you got to yeah. assume that, you know. Yeah, maybe like 7, 8, 7.8. Okay. Good, good guesses. Uh, 10. 10 flat, a first mind down you. at each carry. I mean... Mind you, you've got, to, you've got to say, it does help when he runs, you know, 95 yards and steps out of bounds at the one-yard line just to salt a game away. That's the kind of running back that, that Nick Chubb is, isn't it? So, Watch that he, yesterday. Uh, Watch yeah. that yesterday, and I still think there was only 25 seconds left. You might as well have just dived in. Yeah, or just yeah. ran round for a bit and then go in. <laughs> <laughs> Now, two very happy Browns fans on this podcast. I'm sure many a happy Browns fan around as well. I know, as, as Steve points out, you'll always get somebody tell you don't pay running backs anything. But uh, I think Nick Chubb has very quickly become many, many Cleveland Browns favourites player. Um, you know, certainly, like I say, in our WhatsApp group chat on a Sunday evening, I think there's uh, plenty of love for number 24. So signed in for another three years in Cleveland. We talked about it last week, fellas. We talked about COVID and the new protocols and the thing around vaccinated players versus unvaccinated players and how much of an impact it would or wouldn't have on the season. It's already having some significant impact in terms of training camps. And although the the league and the teams are sort of adamant that they're not going to name and shame publicly who has or who hasn't had the vaccine, it's pretty obvious when players end up on reserve lists because they're deemed close contacts, which is only something that needs to happen for an unvaccinated player to end up on said list. Um, which brings us to the Minnesota Vikings, who are struggling to find anybody to throw the ball during training camp, as it appears Kellen Mond 
actually tested positive for COVID. So obviously hope Kellen Mond gets well very soon indeed. Yeah. Um, but off the back of that, it also means that as identified as close contacts, um, all of the other quarterbacks are now having to um, spend 10 days in isolation, including, of course, Kirk Cousins, the starting quarterback of the team. Um, so it's pretty safe to therefore you know, assume that he is one of the players yet to be vaccinated. As you said, Steve, Mike Zimmer's come out and he's talked already about the importance of you know players getting vaccinated and surely the competitive advantages that it's going to have, as well as the health stuff that we talked about last week. Um I suppose we kind of said last week that we didn't think games would get cancelled, but we saw it last year that the Browns played an entire game without a wide receiving core. Um, We saw the Broncos play without a quarterback. So there is potential that this could still have impacts throughout the year. So hypothetical question for you, if it is going to happen this year and we are going to see, you know, whole position groups potentially out, you know, for a particular game or whatever the case may be, which um, which group and which team do you think could be the most affected by such a situation if you were sort of playing that hypothetical game? Well, I think I I wanted to avoid the quarterback because that's an obvious one. You know, if a quarterback goes down, that's obvious. So avoiding the quarterback, I would say the Rams and going for their uh, secondary, or if I had to narrow it down, probably their, their cornerback mm. room. Because that that Ram secondary, they're one of their strengths is their ability to stop the pass. They allowed the fewest uh, passing yards in the league last year, just over three thousand across sixteen games, um, and they also uh, only allowed sixteen seven two yards after catch, which was seventh in the NFL. So that Rams secondary is is a unit, and obviously you know they've got. Jalen Ramsey amongst others, even though they let a few go, that's still that Ram secondary is 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 not to be uh, trifled with, so to speak. Um, and and I think if if their position group had to go down, their strength is is uh, they're stopping the pass. Um, and although uh, although as I'm sure you two are fully aware that the uh, your team have have stolen half of that secondary, I think they still have the pieces there in in Los Angeles to to be. Uh, a force to be reckoned with. So I'd say that I'd say the Rams, I think that, and especially considering now they've beefed up the offense, they've brought in, uh, they've brought in the new quarterback um, and they've traded away all of their first rounders until about 2040 to get him in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if their, their defense would be the biggest affected, I reckon that would be my shout anyway. No, it's a fair, it's a fair show indeed, mate. Fair show indeed. I've got to be honest, unless I've missed it, I'm a little bit surprised you haven't heard more from Jalen Ramsey on the whole vaccination and COVID situation. He's normally got a view on most things, but he seems to have been a little bit quiet on the issue. So maybe no, he's just he's got vaccinated too, and he's getting on with it. He's probably too busy uh, just having a go at wide receivers. He, pro- he probably <laughs> doesn't even know that COVID's going on. He's just too busy in his own head. <laughs> In his own little bubble. Who are you going to give a shout to? Who are you going to give a shout to then, Josh? So we've got the Rams secondary. Who are you going to go for? Now you see the questions like this, and then I get a bit too, I get a bit too into it, and then I start almost trying to find ways to unpick these questions. So I'm probably not the best person to ask because I, I just look at these and I just think the offensive line for any team. Um, because if you can imagine a game without an offensive line. <laughs> You know that would be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, Kansas answer. City in the Super Bowl would be uh, the perfect example. But could you imagine Tom Brady without an offensive line? Could you imagine oh, yeah. Derrick Henry trying to uh, get 
get any kind of yardage without an offensive line. So I'm trying my hardest to come up with a nice, honest answer for you instead of my nice, sneaky little offensive line answer. Um, to which, actually, I'd probably say um, Tampa Bay's wide receivers. Um, so it's actually insane how much the Bucks aired out last year, if you look at the stats. Um, you know, and how successful that they were. So, you know, if if all of those go down, because they like to play in four receiver sets quite a lot as well. So if you imagine all four of those popping off and Tom Brady's, you know, throwing to backups and, you know, it's it's one of those and they don't have the best running attack either. So, you know, that would be interesting for a game or two against the Browns in the Super Bowl. Just be throwing to Gronkowski every single player, wouldn't he? <laughs> You'd have to triple team Gronk, and that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> just let everybody else go, and just be like, right, you. Which yeah. is pretty much how I would uh, solve uh, defending against the Ravens. Just mark Mark Andrews out the game, but I digress. Oh, actually, yeah, I changed my answer. I changed my answer. Uh, Ravens tight end group. <laughs> Just Mark Andrews. That's Just Mark it. Andrews. If Mark Andrews goes down with COVID, then the Ravens go from a fourteen-win team down to a seven-win team. I'm I not biased at all, gents. Not biased. Yeah, I was just going to. I was going to say, with all this AFC North slander, I was going to point out that maybe the Steelers might do better if their offensive line went out for a few games. But, you know, we'll, we'll, very quickly, we'll very quickly move on. We'll very quickly we love all teams on. equally. We do That's indeed. our stance. We do indeed. Let's move on, fellas. Like I say, hopefully it won't be something that has a major impact. But obviously, like I say, it is already causing a few issues in training camp. Um, and I'm sure as we get closer to the season starting and actual games, then obviously it will become more and more relevant. Sean, what's yours? What's mine? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. You've really, caught me on, you've really caught me on the fly there, haven't you? You've really caught me on the fly. Um, Welcome to the podcasting 2.0. Yeah, too right. Um, do you know what? I would actually go with... Um, Let's keep it in the AFC North. Let's keep it in the AFC North. I would go with the Pittsburgh defensive line. I think that Pittsburgh Shout. defensive line is by far the strength of the team. Even the front, you, you could extend it to the front seven, and then obviously you're including TJ. What whether he's standing with his hand in the ground or he's standing upright. Um, you know, I think that unit is the unit that it'll it'll always keep Pittsburgh competitive, all joking aside. I think they've obviously had struggles on offence. Um, the offensive line has been a weakness, all jokes aside. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something that they do need to improve. I know obviously bringing in RJ Harris, people think that the running game will improve with a better running back. But obviously, you know, realistically, they do need desperately somebody um, you know, to block for him. So you know, they do need to improve that offensive line. But I do think that defence, uh, 56 sacks last year leading the league, um, you know, it speaks for itself really what a powerful unit it is. And, and it ultimately is what makes the Steelers a scary prospect, particularly on the road in Heinz Field. So, yeah, let's go, uh, let's go Steelers' defensive line as you asked me to play along. Thanks for throwing me under the bus there, Matt. I think I think I did well enough there. I think I did well enough. Um, Sean, get ready for it, for it, mate. Every week, <laughs> cruise questions throw throw me into topics. I'm I'm definitely going to have to up my game, mate. Definitely going to have to up my game. 
Right, let's talk then, fellas, a little bit of fancy football. You two can have a rest for a few minutes as I welcome in Dave from the Full 10 Yards Fantasy team for this week's Fantasy Fix. Yes, this week's Full 10 Yards Fantasy Fix. I'm joined by Dave Moore from the Fantasy Crew. Dave, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Sean, mate. How about yourself? All good? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Been a long Monday, um, but uh, a new week, mate, and uh, more fancy football chat to be had. So let's get right into it. I've just talked with the guys on the main podcast about some of the significant injury news that's come out at the early stages of training camps. Obviously, there'll be people that are also looking at this from a fantasy perspective. So let's start with probably the biggest bit of news that's come out. And of course, I'm talking the Carsten Wentz injury situation. Could be anything between five and 12 weeks, depending on what reports you read. Uh, That'll obviously have a significant impact on anything to do from a fantasy football perspective, certainly if it's up at the higher end of that. So what's that doing to sort of quarterback rankings and draft boards in terms of what the Colts are doing from a quarterback perspective, mate? Well, in terms of the quarterback, for me, after the season he had last year, Wentz, Unless you've got a 2QB or a Superflex sort of league, Carson Wentz is going to be high up anyone's rankings. I know he's gone back uh, back to Frank Reich, um, who is his sort of quarterback whisperer in that sense. But to me, it's more impactful to the wide receiving core because you look at players like T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell to an extent as well, uh, Zach Pascoe. Yeah, these are all receivers that, you know, in deep leagues, or maybe not in Michael Pittman's case, are going to be impacted if it isn't Carson Wentz, you know, under centre. It's going to be Jacob Eason, for example. Um, of course, there is always a chance Nick Foles, they could trade for a veteran. Uh, <laughs> if it is Nick Foles, not only would that be hilarious to me, but again, I don't know if you know, it could be worth a, a dart on, as a sleeper pick for yourself, like a, maybe stream Carson Wentz, uh, not Carson Wentz, sorry, uh, Nick Foles here and there. But yeah, to me, Carson Wentz, from a fantasy perspective, was never someone that I was overly concerned with. To the Colts, outside of fantasy, it's a massive deal. But in terms of fantasy, to me, um, I wasn't too solid. I would have had him yeah, ranking towards the high teens, lower 20s of my fantasy QB rankings myself. What do you think it does in terms of Jonathan Taylor? I'm hearing different things on him. I've seen some people taking him literally as the first running back off the board or certainly the first few running backs he's in that conversation. I've seen others say that you shouldn't be going there until the second round. I think there's some concern Marlon Mack will eat into the workload if he does return healthy. Um, obviously, I suppose uncertainty at the quarterback position will probably boost the running back stock. So do you think that potentially does give a boost to Jonathan Taylor in terms of getting him higher up the draft boards? I, I believe so, yeah. I mean, whenever you see you know, a quarterback go, the QB one of a team go down, to me, that I always look to the running backs. Who's available? Who's going to get bumped up my board? I'm not only Marlon Mack, but Naeem Hines as well um, is someone that had a really good year last year as a sort of RB2 in that team. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor, it's only a good thing for him um, as far as I'm concerned. That offensive line is great in Indianapolis. It's a, it's really good for the running backs. I mean, he had a great year last year, Taylor. I fully expect him to be a really, really good running back this year. Yeah, RB in the top 10, I'd say, uh, of all running backs for fantasy. Yes, Marlon Mack, 99s could eat into it, but if we expect such a run-heavy game from the Colts, I don't think 
Taylor's actual touches are going to be impacted that much. I just think that the receivers are going to be impacted more than anything, especially if it's going to be low-scoring games in Indianapolis where they're not having to throw the ball as much and they can rely on the defense maybe. Uh, so I'm a big believer in the Colts in general, just apart from the quarterback situation. Um, so, yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a big thumbs up. He's trending in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Another team that potentially could use the run a bit more often this year is, of course, your New Orleans Saints. Fresh mm. off the Drew Brees retirement, but obviously the significant <laughs> news, your star wide receiver, um, yet again making headlines for all the wrong reasons. So I think that the concern outside of Thomas is who was going to catch the ball. I guess we're going to find out, mate. So uh, from a fancy perspective, what's that uh, Saints offence looking like? Well, it was already a mystery coming into the 2021 season because there's a supposed quarterback uh, competition between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. To me, it's Jameis's yeah, locked up as far as I'm concerned, which then opened up the possibility of someone with the deep threat uh, who has a deep ball on him for players like Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, who are speedsters who in Breeze's waning years weren't utilised as well because he couldn't get the ball yeah, 40 yards in the air to him, which didn't impact the Saints too much because they coached around it, in essence. Um, hello, Alvin Kamara in the PPR uh, scoring style for leagues. It was wonderful. But to me, you can't be looking at any Saints wide receiver as a definite WR1 in your team. Traquan Smith um, is just in a sort of just do something kind of position for me. We've brought back Tommy Lee Lewis into the fold, who... I think he's famous just for the non-call in the NFC Championship game against the Rams when Mikel Roby Coleman tried to decapitate him. That doesn't get you any fantasy points for the decapitation. I wish it did. Uh, Bad memories. But then when you look to the running back side of things, again, it opens up the lane for Alvin Kamara and even Devonta Freeman, uh, who's been brought in now as... uh, this week uh, to the Saints uh, locker room. Uh, there's talk that Ty Montgomery, who is a running back, is going to get moved to wide receiver possibly, which is a real sign of how desperate the Saints are <laughs> if they're moving a running back who I think is scraping five foot in height uh, <laughs> to wide receiver. But again, the Saints are a total basket case and a total mystery to me. Uh, we we could see Jameis you know, throw for four and a half, five thousand yards a season. And Marquez Callaway could, you know, have 800 yards reception and a bunch of scores. It could also go completely the other way. The, as far as I'm saying, I'm not buying any stock in any Saints receiver. Um, yeah, a WR3 or a second flex position for the time being because you cannot. It, I'll just quickly run through the list of wide receivers that are on the roster. K1 Baker, who's a seventh round pick. Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris, Chris Hogan, lacrosse's own Chris Hogan, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Jawan Johnson, Jake Lampman, Tommy Lee Lewis, Traquan Smith, Jalen McCleskey, and Aesop Winston. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Well, if, a, <laughs> if a Saints fan can't figure it, then God help the rest of us, mate. But exactly. Like so saying. just ignore them in wide receiver category for the time being. Um, yeah. On a, a slight sidebar, though, with the Saints, I am expecting big things from Adam Troutman this year, uh, second year tight end, uh, because they haven't got anyone else they can throw the ball to at tight end. Just by default, more than anything. That's it. Someone's got a bit of beneficiary, mate. Absolutely. Exactly. 
Absolutely, mate. Let's um, let's talk a little bit of dynasty, my friend, because it's rather embarrassing for me and you to admit this. But as it's the first time we've been on a podcast together since it's happened in uh, in the full ten yards dynasty league, which only started last year. To be fair, it's not been yeah. going that long, so it was a brand new one last year. Well, me and you, me and your good self, um, let's just say it didn't quite go to plan. My first three selections in last year's draft were Saquon Barkley, Tory's ACL, Odell Beckham Jr., Tory's ACL, and Cortland Sutton, Tory's ACL. So it wasn't exactly a great year for me. I actually ended up, though, finishing slightly above you. You finished last last year, and I finished one from last. But uh, let's not dwell too much on last year. Talk me through your uh, thought process on draft night, when it got to draft night, in a one-quarterback league with Kyler Murray already on your roster. What was going through your mind, my friend? Well, lockdown was over. Pubs were open. I might have... It might have been good time, Dave, uh, the night of the draft. And um, thinking that I was actually the Jacksonville Jaguars GM, rather than uh, a full 10 yards GM, uh, I thought, Trevor Lawrence, that seems like the right pick. <laughs> um, with a running back room that... It is just a, a murderous row of mediocrity, uh, especially going on last season. And what's even worse, it I oh god, just looking at even last year's draft, the, I should be a sort of uh, public inf- or public service announcement for how not to do your fantasy league, <laughs> because my first three picks last year were Ezekiel Elliott, who just Dallas fell off the face of a cliff last year, and then for some reason. Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of the second round picks uh, here. Um, I picked DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the remaining second round picks were Kenny Golladay and Cortland Sutton and Aaron Jones. Now, Cortland Sutton obviously you know, had the knee injury, but Aaron Jones, and I took DJ Moore. <laughs> when it came, by the time it came back round to me, Leonard Fournette and Austin Eckler had come off the board as well. Um, yeah, uh, the the full ten yards dynasty fantasy to me is just uh, an absolute <laughs> absolute disaster, and I'm fully expecting uh, the number one pick uh, come springtime 2022 as well. It's it says something when I look at my roster and the player that excites me the most on there is Logan Thomas uh, of the Washington Football Team, which you know is great, but for, again. Just out of absolute sheer stupidity, I, I took DJ Moore, I think, as we share the same initials. And then I've got David Moore as well, <laughs> with, yeah, um, formerly of the Seahawks, but now DJ Moore and David Moore are both on the Panthers. And I've come too far to cut either of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think I can do it. And not only that, last year I drafted four tight ends. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so, yeah, uh, when uh, you asked me to uh, pop on the scene, I thought I'd have a look back, look through the draft, both drafts, and um, oh, it's shameful, isn't it? It wasn't your finest error. It wasn't mm. your finest error. I'm pleased to say, though, that the beneficiary of your stupidity was obviously my good self, who was able to pick up Najee Harris with the second yeah. pick. In this year's draft, I think it's fair to say. Credit to you. 
It's, I think it's fair to say we both have some rebuilding to do. So at least Absolutely. you've actually now got a, a tradable asset there in Trevor Lawrence if anybody does need a quarterback. So, Well, I was thinking that, you know, giving uh, his off-field issues to Sean Watson for yourself, but um, then I'm looking through, you know, the rest of your team and, you know, I traded Baker Mayfield to you for Christian Kirk, who before we came on air, I actively said I have absolutely no time for anymore and lost patience <laughs> with very quickly during last season. And to a tug of Ilo, and then in an absolute pinch, if it all does go wrong uh, for Houston with Deshaun Watson, you've already got Davis Mills ready to go. Exactly, love to see friend. it. I've got, I've got all bases covered. All bases uh, covered. You. Sean, I'm, I'm delighted for you. <laughs> we'll t I'll tell you what we'll do, mate. Next time you're on, we'll touch base. In, well, certainly partway through the season, we'll give an update yeah. on how we're both faring because it certainly can only trend in a positive direction, mate. That's for sure. So, uh, I, I just do wonder if I've got new depths to uh, plummet. But again, we'll we'll hook up again during the season, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how my mood is. I might not be so chipper, given it's a month before the start of the season. <laughs> Right, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on. Good to chat, mate. It's been a while since we have had a natter, but like you say, you'll be on throughout the season with the rest of the full 10 yards fantasy crew popping in every week to give us our fantasy football fix. So, mate, take care of yourself. been an absolute pleasure, and we'll speak again soon, buddy. Cheers, Sean. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks to Dave there. If he can't work out the Saints' offensive weapons, then what chance have any of us got? I think it's fair to say. And yeah, I did have a little giggle yeah. on draft night when uh, when Dave was rather drunk and did draft Trevor Lawrence in front of me. But uh, I digress. Let's get the uh, let's get the fellas back in the conversation. So. Last sort of topic of conversation then, boys, one that always seems to, to sort of kick up a bit of a fuss every year. And I am, of course, talking about the Madden ratings. Maddening, I would say, for some people. At the end of the day, it's only a game, but it always causes a mass number of debates around, you know, who's been ranked too high, who's been ranked too low. And I know, Josh, you certainly had a few issues with it, so... Talk us through the teams that you think are way, way, way overrated to start us off with. Yeah, and there's quite a few this year. I think that there's just too much focusing on maybe just like the incredibly flashy positions and not enough on the general sort of, you, you know, the general sort of feeling of which a team should be able to achieve. So, for example, the Arizona Cardinals are eighth according to their rankings, with 85 as their rating. And, I mean, I understand that Kyler Murray Mania still exists for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I need heavy convincing on Murray Mania outside of tennis. Um, so, you know, yeah, 85 just seems really high, but not so much the number as the teams below them. So, you know, I'd, I'd put Tennessee above them, for example. The Rams, absolutely. The 49ers, definitely. The Seahawks. You know, they're, prob they're probably on par with a Washington team, which is down at 81. So that one definitely irks me a bit. Um, New Orleans with 84. I mean, Drew Brees is gone, guys. Y you know, I'm... I'm I'm kind of wondering as to where that attack's gonna come from at all, and I mean it helps today. We've spoken about Thomas. There's an extra few points dropped as well, but uh, you know, I I think that they are too highly 
put up there. And then Denver down in, just thinking if that's 12, 13, 14, about what, fifth? No. Yeah, about 15th Denver. Probably just a touch high. Same as the New England as well, probably just a touch high, maybe. But I'll pass it on before I start ruining the entire board. <laughs> so, ju- just for some context, I think just to sort of put this into some perspective, the highest rated team are the Bucks. They're rated 92 overall. The lowest rated team are the Jets that are rated 72 overall. So, there's a there's only a 20 point split covering all 32 teams. So some of this is very much a point here and a point there, Steve, but I mean, there are a few that do stand out a little bit like us author, aren't there? I mean, call me biased for being an Eagles fan, but the Cowboys are seventh with 86. Where does that come from? They won how many games last year? They won six games last year and, and, and miss me with this whole, oh, now Dak's back. They're going to be really good again. They were one, three before Dak went down last year. Like, they weren't this blowout superstar team that were going to clean up the league. Like, most people don't even think they're going to win the NFC East. And the NFC East, the worst division in football. Like, 86, 7th, not, not having it. Not having it. They don't have a secondary. Their offensive line is aging. And I, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as it was, like, sort of three or four years ago when it was elite. Um, yeah, they're, they're far too high. But away from the NFC East before I get too angry. Um <laughs> How are the Texans not last? Or at least, like, I know they're only sixth last, but how are they not last? I don't get that. Oh, come on. Oh, they have got Watson still, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. They've still got Watson at the moment, I guess. Once he goes, they've got to be plumb last. They have to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You've got got about a 90-rated quarterback there. Yeah, true. You know, pulling a bus that's broken down, no wheels, because they sold the wheels for nothing. And yeah, so yeah, if he goes, we could well well see our first sixties team in there. Let alone, yeah, alone seventy one seventy. So uh, yeah, but that's why they're they're where they are. It's one man. It would be interesting to look at this now and from the reverse up to then look at the draft order in twenty twenty two when it all plays out and see <laughs> if this was anywhere near how the draft order works out in terms of where the teams finished in the league. Be, nice. Someone save it. <laughs> uh, it, it. It's saved in the drafts. Don't worry. Yeah, it is a bit of a strange one. It's a bit of an item. Like I say, it's 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 something to talk about as much as anything else. There's obviously, no real significance to this. But a couple of playoffs teams from last year in the Bears and the Steelers. Obviously, their form towards the back end of the season. Um, you know, obviously raised a lot of questions heading into those playoffs and ultimately they didn't get very far. But when you've got teams like the Cardinals, the Cowboys and the Chargers all ranked significantly higher, none of whom made the playoffs last year. Um, it is a little bit of a strange one. Just in terms of any individual players, I know that uh, there's been a lot of tweets going out about people in the 99 club. Um, you know, I've seen Mahomes, Kelsey, Ramsey, Donald... Um, I think they're the four that I've seen. There's, there's probably going to be some more. But anything that's really stood out, Josh, that um, you think, well, they've, they've got that completely wrong? Yeah, so, um, I mean, completely, it's definitely more personal preference than anything else. But I think that they've got Josh Allen rated as the 7th best quarterback in the league. And, you know, with something like, I think it's 88 or 87. And... Um, 
you know, they've got Lamar Jackson in at four, I think it is, with 90. I mean, I get that Lamar Jackson's lightning on his feet, but I just view valuing a quarterback differently. So, you know, with that, I, I'm kind of confused as to how Josh Allen can be that much lower than than Lamar Jackson, for example. And then you've got Ryan Tannehill literally on Josh Allen's heels. Like, how does that work? Josh Allen is one of the most explosive quarterbacks in NFL football right now. So, yeah, it's just something like that that, that, kind, of, um, that kind of grabs me. Yeah, obviously they update the ratings week in and week out, so in theory it should become a bit more of a reflection on the actual play that's happening in the real world. It's always a little bit of a, a guess at this stage of the season. Um, but uh, the newest Madden out when? August the... Oh, goodness. Some point in August. It's, norm- it's normally out for the start of the season, isn't it? So any keen gamer that's out there that wants to get a copy, uh, you'll be able to get your fix of it very, very shortly. Talking of things you will be able to get copies of, that was nicely done, wasn't it, fellas? I am, of course, talking about our NFL draft guide, not draft guide, season guide. Talking too much draft this evening, aren't we? So, yeah, NFL season guide. Uh, The pre-orders have been open for a week. I'm glad to say that the guides will start dropping out in terms of actual copies from tomorrow, Tuesday, the 3rd of August. So keep your orders coming in. We'll be getting those out to you. Uh, We're hoping to have some definitive pricing and news with regards to physical copies as well very shortly. So keep your eyes peeled to the social media channels and we'll announce the details there. Can't wait to actually start uh, dropping it out to people. Really, really proud of what we've produced. It's extremely comprehensive. Um, you know, over 400 pages of content, at least eight on every single team within the NFL. As we said earlier, we love all teams equally. So they've all been covered with equal amount of knowledge, depth and passion. Mix of articles in there as well. So you can sort of see the kind of things that you can expect from us throughout the course of the season. Um just a really, really good, good um, bit of work, if I do say so myself. And yes, I am biased, but check it out for yourself and tell us uh, if you disagree. Of course, you can use the code YARDS at checkout, add the guide to your cart, then put your coupon code in, like say, ours is YARDS, and that will get you 20% off the price. Uh, so you'll be paying just 3 99 for 412 plus pages of content. I did see somebody yesterday claim that a guide that had 450 pages was a bargain at 18 pounds. So if you think 18 pound was a bargain, surely 4.99 or 3.99 is an absolute steal. Josh, you want to come in and say something on the go, my friend? Yeah. So um, just a just a quick little bit of logistics. Considering the code yards and any coupon code which you find. Uh, relating to our guide make sure that you actually put it into the cart and do it that way we've heard of people trying to do it through the uh, the other buttons don't be fooled add to cart um, because that's the only way you can enter in your coupon code so little little uh, fiddly but uh, make sure you do do it that way and uh, make sure you do grab a copy because there have been uh, what about 300 man hours 400 man hours between all of us over the summer I mean, it's been great fun. I just want some football to back it up now. It's going to be great to actually read it, <laughs> you know, actually watching some football and making some bets and all the rest of it. We've covered pretty much everything from uh, from reviews, previews, 
odds, talking to fans. It's 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 been fun. It has indeed. It has indeed. And if players can please now stop getting injured in training camp so that the words yes, we've please. written actually make sense, that would also be very, very much appreciated. Yeah, so, yeah we like promise say, that get... all the info is uh, we promise that all the info is correct as of three days ago. We just That's... honestly thought that pads weren't coming on yet. Bloody injuries. <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, well worth uh, 3.99 or 4.99 of anybody's money. Like I say, our code is Yards. Please feel free to use it. All of the profits uh, that we have from the guide will be going back into Brickball and all of our work that we do to get the game grown in the UK. So, like I say, not only an excellent product, an excellent cause as well. So, look forward to you all getting your hands on that as it goes live tomorrow boys it's been a pleasure we've got four weeks five weeks sorry until the nfl season starts so i think from next week we're going to start previewing the divisions we're going to go through each of the teams that are in there and have a little bit of a look at the activity that's been going on throughout the off season and give a bit of a preview for the season ahead we'll do a couple of divisions each week as well as rounding up the week's news um like i say plenty happening in training camp so we'll start next week in the north we'll do afc and nfc and we'll move our way around the compass as we get towards the start of the nfl season so look forward to your company next week boys been great fun as always obviously make sure you are following subscribing on all of our social media channels get copies of your guides in the card add the card add the code yards and we will speak to you all next week on another edition of the nfl podcast which we do all for the game thanks for listening to the podcast don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.